Welcome in to Red Zone Radio. It is great to be here. Great to have you. Just a reminder, you can listen to Red Zone Radio on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere that you get your podcast. It's been a little while since I've done a podcast, but we're back. College football to talk about. NFL coach uh, firing already on week five of the season. So let's just get into it. All right. So college football uh, has been, there's been a lot of really good, interesting games this year, a lot of really good storylines, but um, on Saturday, Texas A&M and Alabama played, and that was a big deal because of what happened last year, right, where obviously uh, Jimbo Fisher beat Nick Saban, where what happened in the offseason, where... Uh, Nick Saban took a pair shot at Texas A&M saying they bought their players where Jimbo Fisher came back the very next day and answered and there was a lot of drama. But considering what an what a letdown season Texas A&M has been having, I think everybody kind of thought Alabama's going to own them and Bryce Young didn't play. And Texas A&M kept it close and it was a good game. And um, it it was just a, it was a good game, but obviously, of course, now Texas A&M has lost three games, and they're in a mess with a loss to with one of the, listen, and and this is kind of like the same thing that you could have said about Notre Dame earlier earlier in the season, which like. You can excuse the Alabama loss, especially considering it's two points a night game at Bryant-Dennis Stadium. You can excuse that. But the uh, Appalachian State loss does not look good. And neither does their loss to Mississippi State. They also escaped Arkansas with the skin of their teeth. And they just... They've had a really disappointing season. And uh, Kirk Herbstreet was on College Game Day a couple weeks ago. And he said something that, and I I thought it was, I thought it was a really good point. He said, this team got a lot of unwarranted preseason hype. He said, everybody, he, he, he basically said, paraphrasing here, but he basically said, everybody were treating them like they're Bama and they're not. And that's a true statement. And, Texas A&M is a team this year that has a lot of talent, no doubt. Has a good coach, no doubt. But but they're not... Uh, everybody thought they were going to have this magical jump where they just make... Where they just leap from, from last year where, yeah, they had a win against Bama, but they really haven't... They really didn't have any success to where now... Where, where, where they're going to win the SEC and go on the college football playoff and potentially win a national championship. And what people don't understand is talent. While it will help, and why you certainly need it, it's not a magical fix because what people and and this is what always 
amazes me when people when people say things like this, like like oh, a Texas name is gonna be ready to compete for a national championship. What people don't understand, and you can say this about any sport, is that when these w- w- every year in NFL and college football and, and other sports as well, but every year there's a team like Texas A&M that gets a lot of talent, and like the Denver Broncos that have a lot of talent, and people are like, oh, well, because they're talented. They're going to make it the national championship, or they're going to win the Super Bowl, or they're going to be Super Bowl contenders, or they're going to be title or national title contenders. The reason why, because they have talent, and the reason why that's a flawed statement is because what they don't understand is the teams that are already competing for a national title, the Bamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons, the Georgias, not only already have equal or better talent than what Texas A&M has, just because they had a good recruit class, they also have chemistry and the coach has been there before and experience and and things that talent alone can't compete with and so with that being said people are talking about Jimbo Fisher's buyout and how much that's going to be will he be will, will they will they let him go and you know when you look at Jimbo Fisher you could tell in the interviews he does, and 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 I, I'm t- like I just in my opinion, in in his press conferences and his interviews, he's very frustrated with where this program is at, and it's understandable. And I'm sure he feels the pressure, but at the same time, some of this is on Jimbo Fisher, and I'm not talking about the success on the field because I blame that a lot on Jimbo Fisher, as would I any head coach. I'm talking about the hype and and the buzz around Texas A&M. There, listen, look, this is a good, solid football program. But I feel like, especially this year, but many years, everybody, this is a program that people act as if it's a powerhouse, and it's not. And the truth is, it never really has been. And... And you hear, and every year in the offseason, people are like, it's, it's going to be good, it's going to be good. They are sitting here six weeks in the college football season with three losses. Two of which are, are you, you just can't excuse. You can look past the Bama one. But then again, with all the talking he did in the offseason, you think he would have beat Bama as well. And look, I understand Nick Saban took the first shot at him. But sometimes, you have to know who you're talking about. All right. Coaches talking the offseason, talking the offseason is fine. But and I and let me put it this way: I completely understand where Jimbo Fisher was coming from. Because I mean, Nick Saban completely talked. Nick Saban completely brought that up, kind of out of nowhere. I mean, I know the I know the conference that Nick Saban is that was at was kind of talk about that subject, but they weren't talking about Texas A&M, and he brought that up. And so, that was wrong in Nick Saban. At the same exact time, sometimes, whether it's hard to do in the moment or not, you still have to think to yourself, I hate that he said that. I can't believe he just said that about my program. But at the same time, this is Alabama. And this is Nick Saban, the greatest football program in the history of college football, the greatest coach in the history of college football. And 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 you take a shot back at him. And so what does that do? 
that warrants all sorts of preseason hype, right? I'm not saying Jimbo Fisher is the solo reason for it, but the, you cannot convince me that 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 exact moment in time when Jimbo Fisher decided to respond, that all of a sudden everybody wasn't instantly talking about Texas A&M more. They were getting a lot of attention because of the recruit class and all that. And so, and so I'm sure Jimbo Fisher is feeling the pressure, but some of the expectations that he's facing are because of him. Not all of them, but, but he's certainly contributing to that, to people thinking that they're an elite program and, and to people thinking that they should win 11 games. And, and yeah, they got talent. But what I, but I mean, look, Jimbo Fisher's a good coach. I don't know what's going to happen there. And to his credit, he did go into Bryant Dennis Stadium in a night game and go toe-toe and was one play away from being Nick Saban in Alabama two years in a row. All right? But the thing with these college coaches, and by the way, I'll say the same about Nick Saban, because I was thinking this last week when Nick Saban got frustrated at the reporter for asking a question about if Bryce was going to play, and he goes, what do you want me to... And Nick Saban basically was like you know, being sarcastic, and he was like, well, do you want me to go tell Jimbo Fisher my game plan as well? Sometimes I think these college coaches, and I've always had somewhat of a soft spot for college coaches over pro because, and and they do choose it, but it's really hard to be a college coach. You got to recruit. If you want to be successful, you got to recruit all year round. There's no break. You got to coach. You're 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 also constantly coaching new players. Not that you're not in the NFL, but I mean, you're losing your best players every year because they're going to the draft pretty much. Unless your best player is a freshman, you're losing him to the draft every year, especially at a program like Bama. So, that and that's just the reality of it. But uh, sometimes these college coaches, man, they, they and I understand it. They got a lot of pressure on them. But but and the same thing with what Nick Saban said last week. They think that they they think that they rule the world. All right, they get frustrated at questions that reporters ask, as does everybody. But but sometimes, like I was like, this is a perfect example. When we were watching, when I watched that Nick Saban clip last week, I was just thinking about it, like, man, can anybody just ever ask him a question? Like, like without, like, like you know what he could have said there? He could have said, well, you know, I mean, obviously this wouldn't be the Nick Saban thing to do, but he could have just been like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, and uh, and we'll have to see what happens. All right, he could have said, he could have said, I don't want to give away too much of the game plan. But, and, but he got frustrated, he had he had to insult the reporter. That was simply just doing their job. And so, you know, these college coaches, they got a lot of, and I apologize. I know this is turning to a bit of a uh, rant, but sometimes the college coaches, they got a lot of, I understand they got a lot of pressure on their plate, but like back to what I was saying about Jimbo Fisher, a lot of the pressure is from him. He's bringing a lot of attention to Texas A&M, taking shots. Not taking shots, responding. Okay, I understand that. But still, responding to the greatest coach of all time in the offseason. Getting people hyped up. You're at three losses. The program's done the SEC this year. You're not going to make it to the conference championship. You're not going to make it to a playoff. Probably won't make it. I mean, they're the second best team in the SEC, so I don't think they're going to make it to a bowl game. So, obviously, we got a lot of 
time left, but we'll see what happens there at that program because, man, Jimbo Fisher right now in Texas A&M, he's been there for a long time, and they are just struggling. All right, let's talk about the uh, next head coach firing, Matt Rule. I tell you what, I think Matt Rule, and we're going to get to what happened at Carolina, I think he would be the perfect coach, the perfect coach for Wisconsin. Now, if I was Nebraska, I'd take a shot at him too. But I think when you're Wisconsin, okay, you just fired uh, a winning head coach in uh, Paul Christ. And part of the reason is because you didn't like a you didn't like where the program's heading, but you're you're also thinking to yourself, okay, let's just put so so let's just put the Big Ten into perspective for a second. Because I know people don't give it credit for being a good conference, but it's really good, especially the division that they're not in. So did so we all watched that game on Saturday. I'm sure we saw clips. She's a Stroud through for six touchdowns, I believe, against Michigan State. Okay? That offense and Ryan Day isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Michigan and Jim Harbaugh's offense is looking really good. All right? And I think they're going to be good for years to come. Lincoln Riley's offense looks very explosive. Looks like the second best in the country behind Ohio State. And Lincoln Riley's an offensive mastermind. And you can certainly make a case once... Lincoln Riley is in the Big Ten. You will have Ryan Day, who I believe is the best offensive coach in college football, and Lincoln Riley, who I believe is the second best offensive coach in college football. You will have the two best offensive coaches in college football in the same conference, okay? You need an offensive coach. You need someone that has experience coaching players, who has experience coaching young quarterbacks. You need someone like Matt Rule. And I think and with the success he showed at Baylor, I think he would be perfect out of Wisconsin to make them in a contender in what is going to be a juggernaut conference and what's going to be one of the two big conferences. Especially with the 12-team playoff, you need an offensive coach coming in two years. You need an offensive coach to compete in that kind of era with those teams as well. All right, second point I want to make. Look, Matt Rule's really good. I wouldn't have fired him. But I do understand it. I mean, it, it, it's not Matt Rule. It's the Carolina system. Carolina really caught light. So, so look, they were a lightning in a bottle team that year. They really caught lightning in a bottle when uh, they won. The, well, not when they won. When they made it to the Super Bowl and Cam Newton was MVP. They caught lightning in a bottle. And ever since then... They have just regressed and regressed and regressed and gone down and gone down and gone down. And I've looked bad. There have been a few bright spots. Christian McCaffrey, but he couldn't stay healthy. There's been a few bright spots. Okay, we thought getting Baker Mayfield would be pretty good. That hasn't worked out. Their offensive line struggles. They struggle to get penetration on defense. With all, by the way, with offensive line struggles, you can't expect your quarterback to do anything good. And and now Baker, by the way, I, I mean Baker's gone through head coach after head coach after head coach after head coach. I mean, you cannot expect him. Look, I don't think he's ever going to be Patrick Holmes, but you cannot expect a quarterback or any player for that matter, but especially a quarterback to thrive when they have absolutely no. Uh, they they just have absolutely no concrete leadership. 
I mean, it's just head coach after head coach after head coach after coordinator after coordinator after new team, new system. Baker's never even had time to set his feet anywhere because the head coach is either ripped out from under him, a good player is ripped out from under him, a player gets injured. Listen, I'm not making excuses, but you have to kind of think to yourself somewhat. You got to be like, all right, look. I'm like, like if you're not the biggest Baker Mayfield fan, you gotta think to yourself. All right, look, I'm not the biggest Baker Mayfield fan, but I can at least understand why that would uh, make somebody struggle. Like, I, I at least am able to understand why that would make someone struggle after going through coordinator after coordinator after head coach after team. It's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to do with a with a stability. It's hard to do with a with a head coach year after year and a good team. Patrick Mahomes has, has has a hard time sometimes. And so look, Baker Mayfield is struggling. And and, and it's a lot to do with the cultures that he's at and the teams that he's at. And the in the in the, in the you know, the solidness of the of the upper management. It's hard. Alright. Let's get to my college football top five and my NFL top five. All right, my so a so my number one team in college football right now is Ohio State. Uh, I, they've been the most consistent team. Their offense, I think, is the best in the country, um, and I don't really think that's close. CJ Stroud is phenomenal. Um, I, look, Ryan Day is on a mission this year. The Ohio State Buckeyes are on a mission this year. They look motivated. They look hungry. They look talented. They're gonna get Jackson with the Jigma back. They're my number one team in the country. Number two, I, I look. I still got Alabama. Um, they had a backup QB in that game, and now we don't know Embrace Young's gonna return. But they had a backup QB in that game. They're gonna be there at the end. Ohio State's gonna be there at the end. Georgia's gonna be there at the end. Georgia's my number three, even though they look bad against Missouri. Number four for me is Michigan. Look, and Clemson is right there. Here's the thing about Michigan. Here's the thing about Michigan. And honestly, Saturday was another example of it. It's weird because I think they have the ability. I don't think. they, They have the ability to blow teams out. But they are. I don't even. I don't even want to say slow starting because they always seem to get a play. So listen, listen. I I watch college football every Saturday and I watch pretty much every Michigan game. And this is what I've seen in almost every game so far. They get an explosive play or a big play right at the beginning, and they take like a seven nothing lead. Then, then their offense just completely completely slows down until the second half, and their defense has to play. You know. Their defense has to play really good. And obviously, if you're playing defense, you're going to go up a touchdown eventually. And so then they go in at halftime, and it's tied, or it's a three-point lead. And then they come out after halftime, and their offense seems to pick it up. But they're but they're consistently in these dogfights. Now, mind you, the Maryland, the, the Maryland game was probably the closest they were if they were going to lose one. And I didn't think they were going to lose that. Like, I'm never sitting there, and I'm thinking, man, they could lose this game. But it's like... Man, they could they could they could be blowing these teams out, and for some reason they really really stall on the offensive side of the ball, which is fine when you're playing these guys. It would concern me though for Michigan 
they, I, it would be ideal that they get that figured out before they face the Buckeyes and the Horseshoe. Um, what? Forget about the Buckeyes. They're playing the Nittany Lions, Penn State, this Saturday. Um, and that's going to be a tough game. That's going to be a really tough game. And uh, we're going to preview that more. But, man, I can – first of all, I want to say this about that team. Penn State, nobody's talking about them. They're not getting a lot of hype. But that Penn State team is good. Those Penn State defensive backs are great. I'm not I'm not predicting a Michigan loss, but I'll say this. J.J. McCarthy is an extremely young quarterback, okay? He's super talented, super good, but he's an extremely young quarterback. It would concern me somewhat. This is not an, uh, this, look, this offense ran right through Auburn uh, in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Like, by the way, that's the game that everybody was talking about, the SEC, the SEC, and, the, and they ran it right down their throats, the Big Ten. And so... This is not a team that I don't think Michigan is going to be able to just push around. James Franklin is an extremely good coach. Sean Clifford, it's kind of the opposite of J.J. McCarthy, where I don't think he's super talented, but he's been there forever. I mean, he has been their quarterback forever. He's experienced. He's been in road games before. I'm just saying that is going to be a heck of a game. I will predict Michigan to win that game, but I will say this: they cannot do what they've been doing the past few weeks, where they get where they get one explosive play and then stall until halftime on the offense side of the ball, because this is an offense in Penn State that's pretty good and a defense that will take the ball away. Here's the thing with Michigan, and, and in their credit, and this is Jim Harbaugh's style, and he and to his credit, he had changed it, but it's still in his DNA where. And there's nothing wrong with this, but his game plan is wear the other team down, okay? Wear the other team down, keep the lead, wear the other team down. And then by the second half, I mean, they're just running. They're just, they're just lanes the size, of, the size of a highway, you know, that those running backs are running through by the second half because the other team was wore down. You're not going to do that to Penn State. I'm not saying you can't you can't get blocks, stuff like that, but but. A, you're, I don't think you're going to be able to wear them down. And B, you got to be careful throwing that ball against those defense backs because they will not be as tired in the second half if they get some turnovers. And I think they will in the first half against Chaser McCarthy. Uh, Michigan gets a home game this weekend. Man, that is a huge game because obviously in that – by the way, I think that's the be- not the best conference, but I think that's the best division in college football right now. And I think when you're looking at it – so – You've obviously got – so obviously there's three teams that are going to compete for that division. Obviously, Michigan State is out. Ohio State, Michigan, and, and Penn State right now. Obviously, Ohio State is kind of the I, – I don't want to call them the giant, but they kind of are the – they look the best right now. Okay, they look the most talented. With that being said, Ohio State is going to have to go on the road um, and play Penn State. This year, and they are going to have to play Michigan at the end of the year, which is a rivalry game. It's the game, and you never know what's going to happen. So this is a big game for Michigan or Penn State because they both get to take their crack at Ohio State, and uh, you know you never know what's going to happen. I'm predicting a Michigan win, but that is going to be a fun game to watch.
So Michigan's my number four. Number five is Clemson. Now, I think Clemson's really good. I think they're going to be there in the end as well. However, and by the way, I think it's going to sort itself out because at some point, Georgia and Alabama are going to have to play each other, and Ohio State and Michigan are definitely going to have to play each other. So I think the Clemson thing will sort itself out. Um, but but those are my top five in college football. Let's get to my top five in the NFL. So I've got number one. I got Kansas City. Look, they're playing good. They're playing great. I mean, they they look amazing. They haven't skipped a beat without Tyreek Hill. Number two, I've got the Buffalo Bills. They're really good. I know they had a rough loss to the Miami Dolphins, but they're, they're my number two team in the country. They got Josh Allen. I don't need to spend too much time explaining that. Number three, I sorry, NFL, not the country, um, which I guess is the country. But number three, look, I've got. Man, I know people are not going to like this, but I got the Baltimore Ravens at number three. The So first of all, the Rams have played very poorly. They're not a top five team. The Eagles are undefeated. However, and I know people aren't going to like this. They're, not, they're my number four. I've seen this so many times with teams. I saw this, and and if you listen to my podcast last year, you know. And and by the way, I still think that Cardinals team is good, but you know, I fell hard for the Cardinals last year. I was I was saying they were going to make it to the Super Bowl. I was saying Kyler Murray was going to win MVP. I mean, I fell hard for the for the Cardinals, and to me. This Falcons team has the same exact feel, build, and, and really kind of style as the Cardinals did last year. I don't know how you can watch both teams in a night. Running quarterback who I think he will wear down by the end of the season. Not wear down with his shirt, but he won't be running as much. Number two, a head coach that while good, it's still very early in his career. Okay, we don't know what that what how we don't know how good the coaching is going to be come December. Okay, not saying they can't, not saying he's not a good coach, but we don't know what's going to happen there. Number four or number three, I apologize. Number three, there's going to be injuries to hit this team, and you're like, well, you're not saying about the other teams. Let me explain why. Because the Eagles are first of all, they're in a they're in a, a division now that while we thought was terrible, it's very tough. It turns out Dallas is a good team. They're, they're really good. Uh, with Cooper Rush, all right? I understand people roll their eyes at the Washington Commanders, but the Commanders went toe-to-toe with Tennessee yesterday. Carson Wentz, I think, is still pretty good. I know, and, and listen, I, I'll get to that in another episode. I know people do not like him, but I still think he's pretty good. That's still a physical team. And also, not to mention the fact that the Giants just beat the Packers yesterday. So look, if you look at the schedule that's to come, I don't think they're gonna be super Bowl contender. They'll be playoff contenders. I don't think they're a super Bowl contender. I don't even know if they're gonna win the division because you got Dallas and the Giants. So they're my number four team in the NFL right now. And then of course, number five, I cannot go. Anywhere else, I know people don't like that Ravens pick, but I'm telling you, that team is so good under John Harbaugh. They're they're just always well coached. Number five, I have to go 
with the Dallas Cowboys. I understand there's a lot of other good teams out there, but the Dallas Cowboys have lost one game this season. They, I mean, with a backup quarterback who was undefeated, and and they've won against the Giants, who are really good, who just beat the Packers. They've won against the defending Super Bowl champions in pretty convincing fashion. And they're undefeated with a backup quarterback. So I, I really don't know what else to say about the Dallas team. So there you have my top five. I know it's not I know people aren't gonna be crazy about it, I know people aren't gonna like it, but that's my top five for this week. Alright, and that's gonna wrap it up for this episode as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time on Red Zone Radio. Have a great day and enjoy the Monday night game tonight.